Guys, good morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them up to Daniel chapter 2. We're going to keep trying to do a chapter a week, see how that goes. Uh, somebody told me I talked a little fast last week. I said, I was reading an entire chapter of the Bible trying to get through it. We're going we're gonna to work hard, and I apologize uh, if the words coming out of my mouth are a little fast this morning. But uh, guys, uh, I'm so excited. We started this brand new series last week in the book of Daniel, and we've entitled it um, Faith in the Face of Fear. And so last week, our focus is, is what happens when we, we kind of wake up and we find ourselves in the unfamiliar, right? And that's kind of where the, Dan, the, the, the story of Daniel hit home last week is, is Daniel was taken captive and he kind of woke up one day and everything in his life was different. And he was surrounded by, by these, the unfamiliar. And, and we talked about how to deal with that. And if you weren't with us last week, I encourage you to go, uh, go online and, and, uh, and listen to, uh, to, to the podcast. Uh, you, you can find that um, via our website or in the iTunes store. You can also, if, if you go onto YouTube, you can Google FBC Elgin, Texas. You can actually re-watch the live stream. And, uh, and that's kind of fun to do as well. And then you get to be a part of the worship uh, and, and the singing as well. But um, guys, last week was... We talked about the unfamiliar. Um, This morning, what I want to do as we get into Daniel chapter 2 is I want to talk about the uncertain. The uncertain. And and there's a difference, of course, there. And so uh, I'm going to ask you to join me in a word of prayer. And we're going to dive headfirst into Daniel chapter 2. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you um, for allowing us to worship you. And wow, that was good. So grateful for the blessing of the people that you've given us here to lead us in music and and for them faithfully using their talents to to just lead us towards your throne in worship. And God, we just confess this morning, you're worthy of that. You are worthy of all of our worship and all of our praise. And uh, God, we want to recognize how much we need you today. Lord, we are people that even though we know you, we, we turn from you, we go astray, we rely on ourselves, you name it. And so, God, we come to these times, and this is why your word says iron sharpens iron, and we come to these times to be refreshed, to be renewed, um, to, to be confronted by the truth of your word, um, and, and to repent and to change. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask right now that you would come and you would do all those things in your midst, in, in our midst, and, and that you would um, come and be our teacher, you'd be our guide, you would, you would lift up and exalt Jesus, that the word of God would be preached clearly, um, and, and that you would teach us from the inside out that we might see Jesus and want him more than we want ourselves. And God, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, well, if you have your Bibles, I'm in Daniel uh, chapter 2. I think I'm going to read most of it. I might summarize some of it. We'll just see how it goes. Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And it says, in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams that troubled him, and sleep deserted him. All right? So, so the king is not sleeping, and, uh, and he's not sleeping because, uh, not because he, he, he has a sleep problem. Okay? That's a, some of you don't sleep well at night. That, that's, that's not what's going on. The king is not sleeping because he has anxiety and fear about the dream that he's had. Okay? So this is a worry thing. Just file it under that category. Later I'm going to talk about not sleeping and those that don't sleep. I don't want you to take it personally. This is about not sleeping specifically because of worry and fear. All right? So we filed that. We've covered it. So the king gave orders to summon the magicians, medium sorcerers, and Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. 
And when they came and they stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream and I'm anxious to understand. See, you see the anxiety even in the way the king said, I am anxious to understand that this thing is keeping me up. I'm afraid of what I saw, and, 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 and I, I, I need you to help me out. And, and it says, the Chaldeans spoke to the king, uh, and, and they said, May the king live forever. Tell your servants your dream. Now, the king has just said, tell me my dream. May the king live, tell us the dream, right? And, and so the king replies to them, my, uh, the, so uh, may the king, the king replies to him, my, my word is final. If you don't tell me the dream and its interpretation, you're going to be torn limb from limb and your houses will be made a garbage dump. Ouch. It's pretty harsh. We'll talk about why that's harsh uh, in a little bit. But he says, but if, if you make the dream and its interpretation known to me, you'll receive gifts, reward, and great honor from me. So make the dream and the interpretation known to me. They answered a second time, may the king tell the dream to his servants and then we'll make known the interpretation. And the king replied, I know for certain you're trying to gain some time because you see that my word is final. If you don't tell me the dream, there is one decree for you. You have conspired to tell me something false or fraudulent until the situation changes. So tell me the dream, and I will know that you can give its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king, No one on earth can make known what the king requests. Consequently, no king, however great and powerful, have ever asked for anything like this of any magician, medium, or Chaldean. What the king is asking is so difficult, no one can make it known to him except the gods whose dwelling is not with mortals. Because of this, the king became violently angry, and he gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. The decree was issued, and the wise men were to be executed, and they searched for Daniel and his friends to execute them. You may remember last week that Daniel and his friends were found to be better than all of these people. They're included in the king's wise men category now, okay? says, then Daniel responded with tact and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, or the executioner, uh, who had gone out to execute the wise men of Babylon. He asked Arioch, the king's officer, why, why is the decree from the king so harsh? And then Arioch explained the situation to Daniel. So Daniel went and he asked the king to give him some time so that he could give the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and he told his friend Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah about the matter, urging them to ask the God of heavens for mercy concerning this mystery so Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of Babylon's wise men. The mystery was then revealed to Daniel in a vision at night and Daniel praised the God of heavens. Okay? Now I'm going to, guys, I'm going to skip down to verse 24. It says, Therefore... Uh, Daniel went to Arioch, that's after he praised God. He goes to Arioch, whom the king had assigned to destroy the wise men of Babylon. And he came and he said to him, don't destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me before the king and I will give him the interpretation. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and he said to him, little humble brag here, I have found a man, I have found a man uh, among, uh, among the Judean exiles who can let the king know the interpretation. The king said in reply to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar. I I cannot pronounce that name. Belshazzar, okay, says to Daniel, Are you able to tell me the dream I had and its interpretation? And Daniel answered the king, No wise man, medium, magician, or diviner is able to make known to the king the mystery he asked about. But... 
There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has let King Nebuchadnezzar know what will happen in the last days. Now, here's the dream. We're going to lay it out. We won't recover it, but just so you know. It says, your dream and the visions that came into your mind as you laid in bed were these. Your majesty, while you were in bed, your thoughts came to your mind about what will happen in the future. See, these are the anxious thoughts. Uh, The revealer of mysteries has let you know what will happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have more wisdom than anyone living, but in order that the interpretation might be made known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. Your majesty, you were watching and suddenly a colossal statue appeared. The statue, tall and dazzling, was standing in front of you and its appearance was terrifying. There's that anxiety again. The head of the statue was pure gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its stomach and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron. And its feet were partly iron and partly fired clay. As you were watching, a stone broke off without a hand touching it. And it struck the statue on its feet of iron and fired clay. And it crushed them. The iron and the fired clay and the bronze, the silver and the gold were shattered. And they became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away and not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And Daniel goes on to say, hey, that's what's going to happen. After you, your kingdom is the kingdom of gold. But after you, it's going to come an inferior kingdom of silver, and then an inferior kingdom of that, and then an inferior kingdom of that. And, and here's what God's saying, is God, is, is, there's a stone that's coming that's not made of man, that's going to crush all the kingdoms of earth, and will establish the very kingdom of God, which will dwell forever. That's the dream and its interpretation. Okay? So guys, that's the gist of Daniel 2. Now, what do we learn from Daniel chapter 2? That is our question. So three things that I want to share with you uh, this morning. I think the first lesson we should learn, guys, is this. And it's that life is full of uncertainty. Right? Life is full of uncertainty. This, this is kind of one of those, and, and I know it almost doesn't sound biblical. It sounds like worldly wisdom. Uh, but it is, it is biblical truth that we need to grab a hold. Life is full of uncertainty. Right? So, so the king can't sleep. I just want you to think about that phrase. Let it marinate for a while. The king can't sleep. He, he goes to bed one night. He has a dream. And that dream is keeping him up. It's all that he can think about. And, and he's pretty sure that the dream has something to do with him. And something to do with his kingdom. And so he's, he's, he's a little fearful about what it might mean. I mean, we're going to be honest. And, and, and so uh, he, he, he calls all the magicians and the sorcerers and he says, hey, I need you guys to tell me what this dream means. I'm very anxious about it. Now, there's a reason behind that that maybe we don't understand. Now, we have dreams too, but in Babylonian culture, they believe that their dreams were the ways that their gods communicated with them. Okay, And so, so dreams and dream interpretations were a big deal. In fact, historians have discovered um, Babylonian dream journals uh, where they had lists of dreams and interpretations. So, hey, if you dreamed and it had a horse, it meant this. And if it had a son, it meant that. And if there was, there was a, a unicorn, it meant that. And, and they, they found these journals that, that, that basically are supposed to explain um, your dreams. And so Nebuchadnezzar, uh, he clearly wakes up. He thinks God is trying to talk to him. He said, God's trying to tell me something. Um, my, 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 and I'm using little g God here. Uh, my, my God's trying to tell me something, and, and, and it must be important, or he wouldn't have given me this dream. And so God's trying to communicate me. Therefore, I, I, I need to get this figured out, or I'm going to lose my mind. Ever been there? <laughs> I just got to get it figured out. I'm, I'm going to lose it. 
man, I'm going to lose it. And so he calls the wise men, the magicians, the sorcerers, the astrologers, and uh, everyone in the kingdom says, listen, I've had a dream. I can't sleep. I want you to tell me what I have dreamed and what it means. And uh, the guys are like, um, no. King, we, we can't do it. They respond, well, 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 well oh, King, tell, tell us the dream first, and then we will tell you what it means. And that rubs the king the wrong way. And so he says, you're going to do both, or I'm going to kill you, sucker. That's my interpretation of the passage. Right? And you're going to do both, or you're going to die. And, and, and it seems harsh. I mean, Daniel even says, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? And I really think there's a couple reasons. First and foremost, uh, verse 9 tells us clearly that Nebuchadnezzar didn't trust these guys. He says, man, if you don't tell me the dream, um, there's one decree for you. You have conspired to tell me something false or fraudulent. Like, he just believed you guys are liars. And, and, and again, I think it goes back to the fact that he knows these guys have a book full of dream interpretations. He's like, if I tell you the dream, you're just going to open your little book and you're going to make something up to placate me. And, and, and Nebuchadnezzar has this very real sense that, that there's something bigger going on, right? The other reason that it's so harsh is because the, the king is uncertain about his future and his kingdom and he's not dealing with it in the right way, right? Let's be honest, guys. Uh, uncertainty um, creates anxiety. It's a, it's a natural human emotion, right? Anxiety, fear. And we can deal with anxiety and fear in, in, in a few different ways. And, and the way that Nebuchadnezzar has chosen to deal with it, let's just say, isn't necessarily healthy. His fear has now been manifest in anger, frustration, and abusive behavior. I'm not speaking to any of the men in the room, am I? When life gets hard, you don't know what tomorrow is, and you feel like you're the responsible party, it's all on your shoulders. You ever find yourself yelling at people you shouldn't yell at? Getting angry at the drop of... Ah! It was, it was a dude, they, they got your order wrong. You just go back and say, hey, brother, you got my order wrong. Fire everybody! I can't. <laughs> you should never sell coffee again, Starbucks. I can't believe it. We should shut down every McDonald's thing. It was supposed to be sausage McMuffin without cheese, not with cheese. I want your head on a platter. Sometimes when we deal the wrong way with our anxiety or fear, it manifests itself in anger, frustration, even abusive behavior. And so uh, Nebuchadnezzar demands again, tell me what I dreamed or you're going to die. To which they reply in verse 10, uh, <laughs> no one on earth can make known what the king requests. Consequently, no king, however great or powerful, has ever asked anything like this of any magician, medium, or Chaldean. Uh, verse 11, and, and then they say this, uh, my, my ethics teacher used to say, even a blind squirrel can find a nut every once in a while. And I think that's what we have here. <laughs> what the king is asking is so difficult. Listen to this truth that they, they just prophesy this, that no one can make it known to him except the gods whose dwelling is not with mortals. <laughs> like there must be a God somewhere that isn't down here with us. <laughs> That's the only person that can know what is really going on. And so the king orders that, all, uh, that they all be executed, right? They all be executed, which creates a problem for Daniel because now he's considered one of the wise men. And so here's what I want you to see at the very beginning of the outset of Daniel chapter 2. Is the author is, is giving us um, two primary characters. 
And both of those characters are facing a similar problem, and they're dealing with it in different ways. Okay? So literally, this is, like the, this is what's happening. And, and so the problem that they're facing is, is both uncertain times, right? And I've got a little slide here. I think a diagram. I think, did I do the diagram? Is the diagram there? There we go. Okay, so the problem, um, the fear that they're facing is uncertainty. It's a fear of not knowing what tomorrow holds. And so for the king, he's had a dream, and that dream is very real, and he believes that, that, that somehow that's God trying to get a hold of him. And, and, and so and, uh, he, he's struggling with all the anxiety of, of, of that dream. He's pretty sure that dream has something to do with him, something to do with his kingdom, and so he's facing this un- uncertainty. And so Nebuchadnezzar deals with that uh, anxiety or that uncertainty through fear. So he, he becomes afraid of, of what happens and then that fear manifests itself in, in bad behavior, uh, yelling at people and threatening death and, and abusing his power, those kind of things. Then you have Daniel who also is facing uncertainty, right? Because the king has said, hey, all the wise men are going to die. And so Daniel is like, man, we're going to die. And, and, and yet he, he deals with it in a different way. And so let's kind of look at how the two of them deal with it. Let's talk about Neb first. And so King Neb, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, um, in case you're, you're following along. So King Nebuchadnezzar uh, chooses to deal with it uh, a little bit differently than the first. And so uh, I'm, 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 I'm in, uh, where, where am I? Am I in, I'm in, I'm in my, my second thing, aren't I? Um, and, and so, yeah, I'm just all over the map is what I am. This is why you take notes. And so, uh, so, so I, I want to start here, just the truth. Life is full of uncertainty. Okay. We're going to start with life. I'll, I'll get to the second point. Life is full of uncertainty. And here, here's what I mean by that, guys. Um, something's going to happen to you. And, and you're going to realize that all of your plans, that everything you had figured out was kind of a joke. Um, I, I, the word I like to use is a facade, right? In, in other words, here, here's the truth that Scripture says. Like, like you remember the, the parable Jesus tells about a man who tears down his barn and decides he's going to big, uh, build a big, bigger barn? And, and he's like, aha! And then the Lord shows up and says, uh, you're going to die. Like, you're going to die. What are you, what are you doing? You're dying tomorrow. And, and, and kind of the point that the Bible would say about life is we really don't know. We think we know. We, we kind of act like we know, but we, we really don't know. The, uh, in, in the book of James, it says this in James chapter 4. Uh, now I'm making these guys go back. It says, come now, you who say today or, or tomorrow we're going to travel to such and such a, a city and we're going to spend a year there and then we're going to do business and we're going to make profit. Yet you don't, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And, and, and so James is saying, is like, like you, we, we got to stop this kind of fallacy of, of thinking that we've got it all handled and we, we know what we're doing. And, and so James, like the Bible just clears, like life isn't that way. So life is uncertain, which brings me to the second point, which I got ahead of myself. But here's the second point, okay? First point is life is uncertain. Second point is how we deal with that uncertainty reveals our core beliefs, okay? So how we deal with that certainty um, uh, reveals our core beliefs. So now I can, I can um, walk you through this, this Neb and Daniel. So two primary characters in the book of Daniel. And, and um, so we've got Nebuchadnezzar who's uncertain about his future and about his kingdom and the dream that he's had. You've got Daniel who's uncertain about his future because the king that had the dream, the, the king that can't sleep at night is about to kill him. And that's kind of a bad deal. And so how do they deal with it? So Nebuchadnezzar, right, how he deals with that uncertainty is, is through that abusive power and the yelling and the screaming. So it becomes fear. That fear is manifested in bad behavior. And, and, and the reason why, and, and, and that, that the way he deals, it reveals what Nebuchadnezzar really believes. And here's what he believes. Nebuchadnezzar has everything. 
He is literally the most powerful king in the world. And with that comes a little bit of a belief and an ego that you are the one running the show. And so Nebuchadnezzar believes that he's king. He he believes that he's the one that has to fix it. That it's his problem. That it's his kingdom. Right? He believes he is the source of all the stuff that he has in life. And so he has to do something with it. Because brother, if you are the one that calls the shots, if you're the one ultimately that's responsible for providing and for fixing everything, then you can't sleep because you've had a vision that maybe everything's not all you think it's cut out to be. So Nebuchadnezzar has a vision. He says, this may all come crumbling down. I can't sleep. What do I have to do? How do I have to fix this? How do I? If you find yourself talking about a problem in your life and you use the word I 75 times in two minutes, it's a sign you're dealing with a problem like Nebuchadnezzar instead of Daniel. And so Nebuchadnezzar's belief, if we get down to the very core of it, is he believes that he's responsible for all the things that God is responsible, which basically means that he believes he's God. Some of you are frowning already because you know where I'm headed. Okay? So that's, that's, that's the one party. It reveals his core beliefs. Faces this uncertainty. Reveals. Now, now the other party reveals his core beliefs too. So Daniel faces... Uncertainty, not the same. He didn't have the dream, right? But he, he's, he, he's, he's like, we might die. And so how does he deal with it? Now, by the way, so just some context. This makes me think, oh my gosh, I wish I had my life together when I was these people. So Daniel, uh, scholars think he's probably late teens, early 20s. He's facing death. And you know what he does? Now, hear me. Daniel has nothing. He's a captive. He has no, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he, he really, he, like, it's not his kingdom. He's not, like, he, he has no, but so what does he do? He says, you know what? I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what my future holds, but I do know someone who does. And so he goes back and he grabs Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, hey guys, we got to pray. And here's what we need to pray for. We need to pray to God who knows And we need to ask the God who knows to grant us wisdom on how to deal with this situation. Okay? So, listen, what I'm going to say to you is this whole series is based off of the thought that in everything we face in life, we have a choice. Some of you are uncomfortable with that thought, but the Bible is full of of the command, choose this day whom you will serve. Um, God is certainly sovereign. And in his sovereignty, somehow, uh, under that umbrella of sovereignty, he, he, he tells us to make choices. And those choices are, are reflected in everything that we do. And so when we face uncertainty, and we have a choice, we get to choose. Do we respond in faith or do we respond in fear? The point of the whole series of Daniel is I, I want to walk you through fear after fear after fear after thing after thing. After, what do you see? Everything in life is that way. Right? It's, not, it's not about one chapter in the Bible. Okay, well, well I'm, when I'm uncertain, that works. No, it works with every decision. With every decision in life, you can respond in faith or you can respond in fear. And ultimately, what those things reveal are what we really believe. The very core of who we are. Okay, we'll come back to that. Last point. Last point. We're going to get out of here on time. I didn't think we would, but by golly, it's going to happen. All right. God is certain. 
of the future. God is certain of the future. And so, uh, how do we deal with uncertainty? Right? How, do, how, how do we do that? Well, we know, as we learned last week, that God is sovereign. God reigns over everything. And, and remember, it's easy. I, I, man, I had this conversation, by the way. I, I don't know if you guys had this conversation. I ended up having that conversation with probably 10 people last week about how God reigns over everything and how it's easy to, that, that's easy to say, oh, well, then I can blame God, but that, that his sovereignty is never disconnected from his character and his goodness and his love. And so, so that, you know, God's always working for good. Um, and and so, so God reigns over everything, right? And, and, and therefore, God, is, God knows what's coming. Right? He, has a, he has a plan for what's coming. Um, and, and so in this life, if, if, we, if we strip back the facade where we have planned everything out. Uh, by the way, how many of you in the room are planners? Come on. Anybody got a vacation plan for next year? Anybody got, we're in that boat. We, we, we have something planned, not for this Christmas, but for next Christmas. It's planned. That is not my doing, by the way. It's not, you guys know me. That's not how I roll. I'm like, Christmas, let's roll dice. Let's figure out. And my wife is like, we got this on lockdown. We're planning it out. I'm like, that's awesome. Um, some of you planners in the room, you, you understand. Here's what I want to say to you in love. Uh, and that's all a facade. Because you, you don't, like, the best laid plans, right? I mean, we, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Like, it, we live in a world that is full of uncertainty. But here's the beauty of it. God is certain. And so, so here's the dream. Nebuchadnezzar has the dream, and, and he sees, sees the statue, uh, which represents all the kingdoms. And, and then you notice that there is a stone that breaks off without anybody touching it, and it's not man-made. Do you remember what the Bible says about Jesus, about who he is? He's the stone that the builders rejected. He's also called the capstone. And so this stone breaks off, um, this divine stone, and it crushes all of the kingdoms and all of the plans of mankind, and it establishes itself as an everlasting kingdom that fills the whole earth. And we're back in Daniel, bro. We're BC. We're, 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 B, we're like 800 plus years BC, and God is going, Jesus is coming, right? My, my kingdom is coming. A solution is coming. All this mess you're dealing with, you don't have to stress about because I'm coming, because I've got this, because I am certain of what tomorrow holds. And I don't know about you, but man, that gives me comfort. Right? That, that, that my God, even though like my life is nuts, and it is nuts right even though I don't know, and I don't, God does. <laughs> and God has a plan for it. And God is working in it. And get this, he's working for good in it. And man, that gives me rest, okay? So I, I want to talk to you about what to do because of Daniel chapter 2. All right, now I'll let you go. First thing, number one, um, I would encourage you to examine how you respond to uncertainty. Okay? So, um, when I say examine, I mean test yourself. The Bible's full of saying test yourself, test the spirit, test this, test that. I know as Christians we don't like to do that. 
Um, we have mantras, we have sayings. We would much rather say the thing than examine whether or not we're doing the thing. So God is good all the time, all the time. God is good, right? I mean, we have a million things like that where we kind of throw out, and you would, I call it bumper sticker theology. Um, you put the bumper sticker on your car, and you're like, yep, I'm good. And, uh, but the, the problem with that is a lot of times we say things that we don't, we're not living out, we're not, we're not acting in, we're not resting in. And so I, I want to challenge you to examine in yourself, and, and here's the examination. Um, when life is uncertain, when everything is up in the air, and I, by the way, everything is always up in the air. I'm not trying to freak, I'm not trying to create anxiety, okay? Some of you are like, don't say that. I can't, I can't deal with that. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to create anxiety. I'm kind of, but but every, all this is a facade, man. Like everything really is all up in the air at all times, no matter what you think. Like it is all up in the air, okay? So the semblance of control that you think you have, like that's crazy. Uh, the, the reality is we don't know. Like, like, I don't know um, when the last time I'll see my loved one is. Like, God's taught me that. I don't know. I, I don't know the last time that I'm going to say goodbye to somebody. I, I don't know that. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I, I don't know um, how long I'll, I'll, I'll have a job or, or a house. I don't know how much money I'll, I'll retire with. Like, I don't know what the market will do. I don't know how my kids will turn out. I don't know where they'll go to school. I don't know uh, what the outside of the future church is going to look like. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. We don't know. Man, life is uncertain, and that may create all kinds of anxiety in you, okay? Because life is uncertain, and here's the deal. you got to choose how to deal with that. So, option A, you can be a Nebuchadnezzar, okay? You can be a Nebuchadnezzar. You can deal with it um, through men in the room, hear me? You can deal with it through anger. We just start yelling at people because we're uncomfortable. We're just going to make everybody else uncomfortable too. Get in this boat with me right now. Not doing this alone. I do that sometimes with my kids. I'm just going to yell because I'm mad now. Everybody in the house is going to be mad. We'll be mad together. We're supposed to do stuff together as a family. Everybody clean and hate me. We're all on the same page. I don't like me either. I have these moments, right? So I, I get to deal with things like Nebuchadnezzar, or I get to deal with things like Daniel. Comes before the Lord and says, God, I don't have this. God, I don't know, but I know that you know. Radical different. And so the first step before we can like do that is we have to examine are we doing that? So I, I'd, I'd ask you to start there. Okay, second thing. Um Recognize Jesus as king. Recognize Jesus as king. And uh, this isn't just for non-believers. We talked about this a little bit as we prayed this morning as, as a team. Is uh, Man, this is super easy to slip into, Christians, right? And King Jesus, we sing about you, King Jesus. Jesus, you're king. Jesus, you reign. Jesus, you're over it. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I got to fix it. I got to figure it out. I got to, I got to, I got to. Well, now I'm acting like king, right? So we had a little phrase at the very beginning of the sermon. I said, file it away. Let it marinate. The king can't sleep. Again, my folks that deal with insomnia, this is not talking about your medical condition. But if you find yourself unable to sleep because of worry, 
and anxiety, it is a sign that you're acting like the king of your life. Not trusting Jesus to be. Okay? And so what do we do? And the, the answer is we recognize Jesus as king. We say, gosh, Jesus, I, I did it this morning. Lord, I'm such an idiot. I don't know. Do y'all use that word a lot in your prayer life? I use it all the time. I feel like Paul did a lot too, so I find comfort there. God, I am so stupid. Forgive me for being so stressed about all this stuff that you are over and you're in and you've got. I repent. I don't want on your throne, right? Come take your rightful place on the throne of my life. Bring me to the last point. Is, uh, I, I, this is one of my favorite points of the Bible. Dude, what Daniel does is so cool that we should do it on a daily basis because Daniel realizes that God is the source of certainty. That God is the source of wisdom, not him. And so what he does is he turns to God and says, hey, God, give me wisdom, right? And that's a really biblical concept, by the way. Uh, we find it here in the Bible. And uh, I've got a verse for you if you want to write down. I think I have a verse for you. Yeah, James 1.5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives uh, all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. That is a promise of God's word. Isn't that awesome? When we face uncertain times, we have to remember we have a God that is certain about how it will all turn out. And we can ask that God, and he will grant us wisdom. Isn't that awesome? Now, does that mean he will tell you how it all works out? No. It means he will tell you how to walk through the uncertainty you're facing. Okay? That's what it means. Guys, that's Daniel chapter 2. Hope you'll come back for Daniel chapter 3. Join me in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. It is good. It is effectual. It is right. It is true. And it is what we need. God, collectively, this is um, kind of our time. Instead of asking people to come forward this morning, just in our seats, this is our time of confession. And so, Lord, um, would you just move here for a second, just as we openly confess through prayer to you that we need you. Holy Spirit, have your way. So I'm going to ask you to do something for a moment. I'm going to ask you, just in your, in your lap, we've done this before, um, but in your lap, I want you to make two fists and put them in your lap. Okay, you're just holding them right there in your lap. You've got your two fists. And uh, that is a symbol. Okay, it's just a symbol. It's nothing magical. We're just thinking about this. It's just helping us process. Those two fists represent your desire to control everything. Those two fists represent the stress in your life over your inability to control everything. Those two fists represent the knots in your stomach and in your heart and in your head. Those two fists represent the fact that though you proclaim God is king, you are acting like it. And right now, with those two fists, I want you to think about every problem you're hanging on to, about every fear you're concerned with, okay? 
Your pastor will lead you in this. Lord, I've been freaking out about this stupid house thing. All the dadgum checklist. The punch outs. Here's what we're going to do. When you name it, when you call it out, I want you to just release it unto God. I'm not king over this, God. And just open one hand. I'm not king over this, God. And you find that other thing that you're struggling with, that you're hanging on to. And again, you're just going to pray. You're going to give it to God. Mm. God, I'm not king over this. I don't know the future. I can't. You are. And now open-handed. Okay, I'm going to give you a second to get there. Open-handed. Now we come before the Lord and we ask. You've got to ask open-handed. You can't be closed-fisted. Once you give up control, you now come before God open-handed and we pray, God, God who is certain of all things, God who knows, grant us wisdom on how to deal with the problems that we face and grant us peace to trust in what you tell us to do. God, help us live open-handed this week, not closed-fisted. For we are giving our problems over to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's faith over fear, friends. That's what it's about.